Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod and a very special guest episode. We have uh, Molly joining us uh, fresh off the Halcyon Legacy and our co-host Blake. And we're just going to be chatting about this this crazy experience at Walt Disney World and uh, getting into all things Halcyon Legacy and a bit more Galaxy's Edge. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome, uh, welcome, Molly, um, to Star Wars Escape Pod, and uh, and welcome back, Blake. I'm, I've been looking forward to this for a while. I know, I know you. I as well. I as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, before we talk about the Halcyon, just so just so everybody kind of knows sort of where you're coming at as a Star Wars fan, um, how and when did you become a Star Wars fan? Like, what was your favorite Star Wars movie growing up? Like, you know, maybe you can take a moment to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll try to keep it brief. <laughs> um, it's my favorite question. So I am one of the people who've been a fan since literally, can't even remember when I started. I really was a fan since birth. My dad is one of the Star Wars fans, you know, was there for the first movie and grew up on it. So he raised me and my siblings on it. And I'm a child of the prequels. So my favorite movie was definitely Attack of the Clones when I was really little because I loved the Battle of Geonosis. And of course, you know, as a female Star Wars fan, having Padme Amidala just going crazy at yeah, Battle of Geonosis was like, you know, the perfect girl boss figure. So um, that was my favorite when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. My first movie I remember seeing in a movie theater, like I'm sure I saw other movies first, but the first one I remember seeing was Revenge of the Sith because I was five. And so I had to, like when Anakin's on Mustafar burning, my dad had to like cover my eyes that I could like see it through his fingers. <laughs> no, no, my no. older brother like ran out of the theater. Yeah, it was it was a, quite a time. <laughs> so yeah, um, but so I was, you know, a little scared of watching that movie, but That's now fair. it's one of my favorites. Uh, yeah, so I've, I've been on the journey with Star Wars forever, you know, self, of course, the sequel uh, films in the theaters. Um, my family was actually the front page of our local newspaper before The Force Awakens. Wow, so nice. um, I was quoted as saying, yeah, I was quoted as saying that I like liking Jar Jar when I was younger was a mistake, but I, I don't think it's a mistake anymore. You know, I just had to <laughs> had to look good for the paper. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Couldn't be caught lacking. Didn't want to embarrass yourself days, you know, in front yeah. of the town, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but was I was I singing? Yeah. <laughs> was I playing with my Jar Jar action figure the most growing up? Yes. And <laughs> did yeah. I sing in a Jar Jar voice on Rock Band? Yes. So uh, <laughs> my my journey with Star Wars has definitely been um, a lifelong thing. Of course, now um, it, I got to be. Well, the reason I'm here, I'm, I was on the Halcyon because I interviewed to get the job because I really wanted to be a part of it. And it was just, yeah, it's been really fun. Now I write, uh, I'm an editor for Screen Rant Star Wars Beat. So Star Wars really is my life. And um, I love I love The Mandalorian. That's my brand. Wow. So Awesome. That's a, that's that's an, so cool. 
Yeah, that's great. I, like, and that's so cool that you get to sort of mm -hmm. continue that Star Wars journey, you know, in your your follow up career, you know, with mm -hmm. with Screen Rant. That's uh, that's super exciting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's been quite a journey. Head to my Twitter if you want to read all about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, won't, I won't bore you guys with the whole thing here. <laughs> feel free to plug that if you want to. Yeah, feel free, and and you know any any links that might be relevant to you know for people to to follow your your stuff, just just send them through, and I'll put them down in the, yeah. in the description box. Awesome, thanks. Yeah, oh yeah, and no problem. Uh, for people who don't know what Galactic Star Cruiser is, uh, or was, I guess, are you are you able to just recap for those those fans exactly what this experience was? Because I I know I personally I found and so have you Blake like we found that there has been a surprising amount of people like fans that are of Star Wars that just have no mm -hmm. idea that this yeah. existed, which is mind blowing. So we've been mm -hmm. even just the last few weeks kind of getting ready for this this specific podcast, just talking to people, bringing up mm -hmm. the hotel, the experience, and they hadn't mm -hmm. even heard of it before, which was bizarre. I guess because we we're yeah. Josh and I are really involved with the fandom, yeah, that we we knew about it. Yeah. Like, the day it was announced right yeah 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 so the um this is my one of my favorite questions and actually one of the jobs i used to do at the star cruiser is one of my most frequently asked questions um we'll get more into that later uh but the galactic star cruiser um formerly known as the star wars galactic star cruiser and the ship name known as the halcyon uh it was a two-day two-night immersive experience or a three-day kind of technically uh two-night immersive experience at uh the walt disney world resort not disneyland only only Disney World, which is the one in Florida. Um, I can see why there's confusion for that. And park. it opened in yeah, <laughs> it opened on March first, 2022. Um, and it yeah, it's just a, basically a 48 hour movie. Is really what I can liken it to is you're in Star Wars for 48 hours. You stay on the ship, um, which is of course the hotel aspect. I don't like to use the word hotel for the Halcyon because anybody who experienced it knows it's nothing like a hotel. It's basically like a cruise on dry land, um, and you get to be a part of a Star Wars journey. It involves a phone application that guides your journey, and you get to interact with all your fellow passengers, and then all, of course, like the working cast or the advent people who are leading the adventure, and then you got the cast like me or the crew members like me who kind of help to facilitate the smaller details. And yeah, really, that's the best way to describe it, a 48-hour Star Wars movie that you get to star in. So yeah. it, it was an epic adventure wow that's uh that's, yeah it's super cool i mean so, there, to there, me that sounds like a fan's dream i know yeah when we heard this announced all I could <laughs> absolutely think was, yeah. yeah all i could think of was this is something that as a fan is more what i've always wanted to do i didn't think we'd ever pull it off yeah it's like <laughs> it's like playing a big mm -hmm. star wars D, D game but in real life yeah you know? exactly mm -hmm. where everything is fully mm -hmm. interactive people are properly playing characters and everything it's it, like you you mm -hmm. are the hero of this story it was almost too good to be true <laughs> you know like it's almost like this was we oh just, yeah we just didn't deserve this you know like, <laughs> so that's where it went wrong oh yeah you yeah nobody can ever forget their first time stepping in the space um mine of course was it was like formal less formal because i was getting a tour of the space before i started working and i'll never forget when the the door to the turbo lift or the elevator opens and gosh it was just like looking at the space that the atrium was the first thing i saw and you know the, the chandelier the way it smelled like i wish i could describe a smell it's Space not dust. like i know disney has its smells but the smell yeah the smell the smell of the house scene was just like oh it's so good um 
yeah, it's it's I I can't believe that that was really like my everyday atmosphere for eight months. That's um, super cool. I have to, especially looking back now, I have to pinch myself to be like I was normalized in that space. Like it, it was basically I think I spent more time there than I did in my apartment when I, <laughs> um, you know, was working. So yeah, I guess I guess it better smell nice if for like. It's, it's an enclosed indoor experience for like two nights and three days, right? So like, <laughs> I, would, I would hope it's, you know, oh, got yeah. some sort you know, of... Uh, yeah. They, they built it next to a respect subway, to, so just pumping that yeah. breath smell in. <laughs> uh, respect to all the people who would, you know, come in there, what we call Galacticvest or, you know, their their cosplays and outfits. Um, not everybody would cosplay, which is fine because some people would come and they really didn't, they still didn't really know what it was when they were there, which like it's it's just tricky to describe the experience if you don't go full in, as I'm sure you guys learned because you're saying you did the research and still had a hard time finding stuff. It's just, it's hard unless you're watching vlogs and stuff like that. Um, uh, even but there would be some people filtered. in their cosplays and it's layered. Yeah, um, people come in their cosplays and they're layered and they're coming off of Batu, which is like, you know, in the Orlando heat and it's July. Oh, no. And <laughs> the smell was not very pleasant then. But, you know, like, <laughs> it is what it is. I, I you know, our, our own costumes, our own outfits were long sleeves and pants year round. So whenever I had to stand on Batu, it was, I was not smelling good, I'm sure, either. Right. So. Fair enough. <laughs> So, yeah. who was the target audience for this experience? Because you know, the when this thing was announced, the price was talked about a lot. You know, and and uh, you know, we're just we're just kind of wondering, like, well, like who was there any sort of conversation with the staff as to sort of the the people showing up? You know, who who's this audience that this is for? Kind of thing. Yeah, um, from really all the conversations I remember, it's everyone, which I know is going to sound like the yeah, of course answer, but um, you, the word you actually mentioned earlier was play like you want to play in this world and that was our biggest world we just or biggest word we just wanted everybody to feel like they could be a kid again to the most extreme degree you know be that kid who if you saw the first star wars movie was experiencing all of it for the first time or the a kid, a kid like me who grew up during the prequels and had you know a little star wars spoon collectibles from their cereal boxes and we're yeah. playing with those um we really just wanted to kind of take any person at any age and um there's actually one spiel I used to give uh, a little bit closer to the end of my time there and what I would do is while people were waiting to get into their launch pod to head up to ship um, I would kind of just remind them of the tools they had and whatever but one of the things I would say is who's here because they love Star Wars and then you know a bunch of people would raise their hands and then I would say who's here because you love someone who loves Star Wars and then the other <laughs> half of the people would raise their hands and uh, you know I'd give this I'd give this speech about how no matter where you come from who you are you can still be a part of this like you don't have to know everything about star wars to have fun so really of course we were we we're targeting two different audiences but trying to make it work at once we're targeting the star wars fans who've been dreaming of something like this and then people who are supportive of those star wars fans to kind of get them interested in the world so yeah i would say like a healthy mix of fans and non-fans but really like all ages of course probably more so families as well just to we had a lot of child's activities so right, yeah right did that make the immersion hard to pull off if you're having these people with such drastically different takes on it? It depended uh, voyage to voyage because we would have different amounts of people who were like involved and not like on the I worked the May 4th voyage in 2023 and oh, there was 
I think there was like maybe one or two parties who did not dress to the nines. Like everybody there was, you know, hardcore cosplay. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. Like that voyage <laughs> was insane in the best way. That sounds cool. Um, I think that's probably what it definitely was. It. Sorry. I guess when we think yeah. of it in our heads, no, that's no, probably fine. what we picture is mm-hmm. probably the May the 4th like mm-hmm. day expedition. Yeah. It's supposed to, I don't know, mm-hmm. the, September 3rd. The endless vloggers, yeah. you know, the endless vloggers with the cameras. We, we, we just can't, couldn't help, you know, because like, of oh, course, yeah. all of the online material that you can watch on YouTube with all the all the, the influencers mm-hmm. and such, et cetera. I mean, it's it's hard not to oh, notice yeah. the amount of selfie sticks in the rooms. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, like, you know, we were just yeah. kind of commenting on that. Like, did that ever sort of go away when the initial wave of like invitees sort of, you know, dispersed? And, you know, when you started getting like the regular the, the regular yeah. experience for the guests and stuff like bloggers yeah was there sort of a decline in all of the, the recording on the phones and everything like that because that kind of mm-hmm. breaks the immersion a little bit doesn't it yeah yeah absolutely so uh what you guys are probably referencing are when we first opened so yes definitely like closer to march 1st those were mostly made for the purpose of bringing those media people on board so that's why there are so many selfie sticks i never saw that many because i didn't start until like early part of 2023 but I've heard stories passed down you know through generations of <laughs> people who trained me and whatnot um and yeah the, you know it's selfie sticks never really stopped being a problem um not in terms of volume but you know there'd always be that one person in the atrium with a selfie stick like extended <laughs> so far up and that would be my job like like my team we would have to go around and very politely say please put your selfie stick down because right. you know the eight-year-old behind you can't see Um, so that kind of stuff is funny to get around because you still are a hundred percent immersed. And I would definitely say, you know, it's tricky when somebody comes in in a Mickey Mouse shirt and you're like, how do I approach this? And, you know, stay in world. But we would just refer to him as the, as the womp rat. Um, (laughs) you know, there are, there are definitely ways to get around it. I, there are, I have to remember, there are so many clever ways my coworkers and I, um, were able to talk about like the Disney parks, but in complete like Star Wars lingo, um, you know, I think we called like Epcot the wheel and we're talking about like, yeah, you know, we go around the wheel and there's all these different places to, you know, get these libations. <laughs> so no, like that, like we definitely about. were um, pushing some boundaries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was easy to do Hollywood Studios because that's just Batu, you know, that's out, a Black Spire outpost. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you're not in Black Spire outpost like Galaxy's Edge, then you're just elsewhere on Batu. But the other parks were harder. The Womp Rat Kingdom was <laughs> uh, Magic Kingdom for me. Uh, yeah, it's, it, you found ways to get around it. And honestly, it made it more fun when people weren't like immersed at times because you could help to ease them in. But the people who didn't really want to be eased into the immersion, that was the tricky part. Because yeah. then it's like, you don't really know what to do. And and for my job, too, we dealt with a lot of helping people with their technology. And you really can't, like, Star Wars lingo that because if you don't talk in real world terms, they're going to get frustrated <laughs> and they're not going to know what to do. Just like so, like, you know, really if this poor IT. person just wants, yeah, <laughs> if this poor person just wants to know if they can get to their reservation they made at 50s primetime at Hollywood Studios, I can't be like, oh, what's Hollywood Studios? Like, right. you know, that's so rude. <laughs> like, they <it's, you> know, <laughs> 
Well, um, especially if so it's like we, a we, we had seventy-year-old yeah. guy or something like that, you know, there with his family, you know. And, and yeah, yeah. Bless, bless their hearts. That usually was the case, where you know, it's just people who aren't used to either going to Disney or maybe are like a little bit older, a little more technologically challenged. Um, so I I would use my discretion in that position. We were allowed to break immersion privately in those conversations, but you did have to do it privately because the atrium was like an echo chamber. So oh, if you're you know, you're yeah. talking to one passenger really loudly, and you're like, yeah, if you want to go to Hollywood Studios and you know the person mm. who's dressed in full Mandalorian garb is like two feet over <laughs> you don't want to break their margin so That's it was you know it's definitely a little tricky but I love a good challenge so it's probably a lot of bathroom incidents too because people can find the bathroom because they're all named fresher <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the ref- refresher refresher yeah, <laughs> yeah. so our, our guidance on that was and without all terminology is kind of like a gentle correction so somebody be like oh where's the bathroom and you start walking them over and you're like oh our refreshers are this way so instead of being like that's the refresher you know you kind of just like, substitute the word <laughs> I'm uh, sorry, I, don't I don't think understand. I don't, i'm not sure how most people pick up on it yeah exactly. Did, uh, i don't understand what you're saying what, um, that was usually the joke we would make but was it always like was it a gratifying moment like did you ever have anyone who came up to you and didn't you they didn't need to be corrected like you just you know they they just spoke like okay mm-hmm. where's the calf machine or like where's the refresher like did you ever have that kind of uh, situation yeah. with a guest where it's like they just kind of knew how to how to immerse did themselves. Have, did they ever out jargon the staff? <laughs> the staff were confused. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I can listen. I as you can tell, hopefully with somebody who has the Star Wars job I have right now, I know what I'm talking about. But there are certainly people who could outlore me, out jargon me, and to a degree, I'm glad they could because technically in our role, we're like in Star Wars, so we're not supposed to know historically like everything, right? Which that makes sense. So hard and shout out to any passengers who heard me talk about Din Djarin because there's no way I should have known who he was but <laughs> would I talk about him anyway if people let me I would get there um, yeah. but yeah so basically one instance I, I guess I can I don't know if I can think of a specific example but um, we had a lot of repeat passengers okay yeah yeah we could we yeah we could say like like I was Molly from Raxus I have my name tag it says Molly from Raxus on it um and stuff like that Did but you get anyway to pick the um, planet you're from in terms of i did yeah so um but i couldn't do like any planet uh part of the our process of onboarding they had you do like a little personality quiz and it was supposed to help you pick out what planet you were going to be from i ended up with lance car i wasn't a huge fan of like the description was not close i was kind of going to like what's close to my actual hometown in you know the u.s and lance carpet was not that close um if i had to liken my hometown to a planet it would honestly be like cantonica to a certain extent like canto bite because there's horse racing anyway um but that wasn't an option and so i saw raxus and i'm the bad batch and i was like you know what like obviously there was clone wars arc on raxus too but i'm like you know (laughs) raxus doesn't a bad batch and then my really close friend who had actually been at my previous role with me and we both were in the same transfer group she was doing raxus i was like i think i think i got to be from raxus so that's really the story of how I ended up being Molly from Raxus. That's awesome. But it really grew to be a part. Yeah. You talk about it enough. It becomes a part. Like it feels like yeah. I really am from Raxus. Sometimes I still have my stories of like, like, oh yeah, I grew up, you know, just on the outskirts of the city of Raxalon. And, and you start to believe it after a while. <laughs> I mean, it was eight months of, you know, telling this backstory. Yeah. I'm curious, how deep mm-hmm. are the characters' yeah. backstories you guys play? Did you get to make up kind of what you wanted or were all given 
like a, maybe like a D and D style booklet of choices. So you got the planning. Yeah, that's a character. good question. We were, yeah, we were really given a lot of freedom. There weren't really any guidelines. Like the the limiting the planets was really the biggest guideline. Everything else was doable. Um, honestly, most people struggled with coming up with backstories because a lot of my coworkers were not familiar with Star Wars, which is fine because, like I said, in our position, it's really better, almost better to not know because then you're not tempted to engage with passengers in a way where you're gonna you know spoil right. something you don't know um, you at don't this know. point the, the, yeah. you know the star cruiser yeah the star cruiser takes place before the rise of skywalker so if you accidentally say anything from that movie that's really bad you've already blown the um, timeline if you even reference <laughs> yeah yeah if you reference star wars as star wars that is the worst thing you could probably do um but like as, in terms of crafting the rest of our backstory it was really up to us um i had a whole elaborate backstory i made for myself before i started my onboarding process when i found out i got the job and i was going to be from sorgan and i was going to like set myself up to be the secret daughter of like din and omera who is the farmer girl on <laughs> sorgan i'm like i'm gonna be the secret kid like i had this whole funny elaborate backstory and then i couldn't pick sorgan so, <laughs> oh no um that kind of that kind of went away. Yeah, that went away really quickly, which is ironic because we do have a, we, or we had a dish um, in our lunch buffet one of the days and it was called Sorgan Stew. And I was like, come on. Um, it's my family but, dish. Yeah, I ended up being Exactly. I still had to get Mandalorian stuff in there somehow. So I made myself a Mandalorian historian because I'm like such a big Mandalorian fan. So I'm like, okay, really the key word here is just like history. Instead of talking about like, you know, Mandalorian content, Mandalorian history, because it's actually part of our galaxy. Like it actually happened. So I was like a Mandalorian historian from Raxus. And um, I had just been waving in transports to Shandrila Starline because I came from parking at Epcot with my old role <laughs> before the Star Cruiser. Nice. So yeah, I kind of like yeah i would blend the two That's so awesome. really that was the biggest guideline on backstories for all of us was um try to base it off your real life as much as you can but translate it into star wars right i guess that makes it easy to remember it makes it consistent i guess yeah you know it's a little bit easier than trying to explain to people i'm hey i'm the secret child of these two characters that <laughs> right. by the way never got together in canon <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah probably, probably another benefit with it not being a bunch of super fans is you don't end up with all the staff being jedi in hiding yeah, yeah, like the, no, not exactly. everyone's like the oh, yeah. secret son of Luke Skywalker, yeah, you know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, or, you know, not everybody's force sensitive or like, you know, has some kind of traumatized backstory related to Order 66 through generations. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm sure we threw around jokes about stuff like that. Like, I think um, I had a coworker shout out Charles from Baraka, um, and he is a redhead, like Cal Kestis, and he used to make the joke that, like, some kind of joke that he was related to Cal Kestis or like Kestis knew Cal Junior. Kestis or something but <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um but yeah that that used to be so fun or he, and then he came up with a story too that he like was from he actually he was born on Braca, but then he like was raised on Kashyyyk with Wookiees so he used to like consider himself a Wookiee and yeah it was we would do fun stuff like that but nothing like oh you know my my great uncle was Luke Skywalker and yeah, <laughs> that was definitely like a no just get really fan fiction yeah. yeah yeah so for the, <laughs> for the fans who 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 love lore um the the halcyon legacy and you know, we've thrown the name of the ship around a bit 
Uh, it's a Chandrilla Starline mm-hmm. Purgle class star cruiser. And I love how they add in the Purgle class, you know, like, yes. of course, you know, now more people mm-hmm. are probably aware of the Purgles at this point, uh, since it's graduated from animation over to the live action series. But um, I'm just curious, yeah. like, with this whole sort of initiative by Walt Disney World and everything, similar to what they did with uh, Galaxy's Edge when that launched, uh, there was a variety of mm-hmm. sort of multimedia going on as far as trying to integrate the location into like Star Wars stories. And uh, there was a comic Mm -hmm. book run called The Halcyon Legacy by Marvel Comics. And there was a couple of novels which the ship was featured in, um, Princess and the Scoundrel by by Del Rey and a a variety of the High Republic stories as well. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool to see this like whole thing being like sort of cemented in the canon and all that stuff. But um, I'm just sort of curious, like, did you did you read the the comic? Did you have to do any homework, you know, prior, like, you know, uh, other than your character building? Like, did you uh, end up reading any of those stories? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As soon as I got the job, um, I was interested, but I, I kind of like held back. I was like, OK, let me just get there and see. Uh, nothing was required. So I'll kind of answer that part of the question. First. Like, th- this is all just kind of like a do whatever you want kind of thing. Um, I realized quickly I wanted to read the Halcyon Legacy comics when um, I was doing training our training was very elaborate this could be a whole other conversation but i'll say it very quickly um for my role we essentially completed about six or seven different lines of business so my my training was 10 weeks long um and all those different lines of business so one of them is recreation to uh you know like learn how to facilitate a bunch of the activities on the ship and one of those is giving a ship orientation of of fun facts all around the ship and a dozen of those or so are all from the like they're in the housing legacy comics so whoever was training me was like you know that's a great resource if you want to you know practice your ship orientation i'm like oh man i guess i gotta get the halcyon legacy comic and (laughs) you know read all about it so that i can throw in some fun facts in my ship orientation and so i ordered myself like the anthology copy of all the halcyon legacy comics and like read them all one night and um that was really cool because you know like the lightsaber markings from anakin and asajj ventress's like duel Mm -hmm. are in the halcyon like they're they're on the staircase and they're like filled in with gold they're actually there and i used to point it out on every ship orientation of course i would never say the names of who made them i just say like a jedi and a sith because i didn't know um and then the you know the lightsaber training pod i'd be like oh this was actually a gift to us from two jedi or or we made this to honor two jedi who saved our ship from you know raiders because you know nibisik and buryaga and i was like i think one of the jedi was a wookiee so i would i would throw in stuff from those so i I definitely personally did my homework and yeah and then when it comes to the princess and the scoundrel that's actually a really fascinating story is um, that book, the, the copy of the book I have was a gift to us from the Star Cruiser for the one year anniversary on March 1st, Oh wow! Um, which I call the best day of my life. And I can go into more detail about that later. But um, I, we, depending on who got there, because we had like a little, you know, party that we were still working that day, but I had that day off because I requested it off because it was the Mandalorian season three premiere. <laughs> um, and I, I went to the ship for the party and the, the gift was the book. And uh, it came with like a little note from Beth Revis, the author, and kind of like talking to us about, you know, being important to the writing of the book, just like how she hoped that we did it tribute and things like that, which is super neat. But in the book, there's Han scratching in his initials, his and Leia's initials in the engineering room. And those were also in our engineering room, in Arabesh, though. So. 
that was really cool. But and then I ended up, yeah, I ended up getting another Halcyon Legacy anthology copy uh, from the Halcyon too. So I have two copies of the anthology now: one from the Halcyon, one that I bought before then. So oh, that's kind of funny. So the the one I definitely definitely did my homework, but it wasn't required. Yeah, the 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 ones on the Halcyon. Do they have like a limited edition like cover? You can only buy that one aboard the ship for staff only, maybe. I don't. Not not from my memory. So I know that the ones that we got um, as crew members, it was the exact same as the one I bought. Like it was the anthology. So it was like, it's all the same. Like they, they literally look the same, except they had some crew members sign like the inside of one. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had comics on the ship that we would occasionally, you know, uh, some passengers would receive if, you know, something went wrong with their voyage or we just wanted to give them a special little gift, you know, stuff that Disney does. We do it at all the resorts. Um, and I don't know if those were like technically limited edition i think they was just like they were the individual stories though they weren't anthologies like they weren't the whole all i think it's four or five maybe right. even six issues it would just be like you know the lando and hondo issue or the padme and anakin one so mm-hmm. um i don't know if they were exclusive covers they might have been unfortunately i didn't know enough about comics at the time i'm a little more well-versed now because i've been buying some mandalorian adaptation comics so i got yeah. some more experience but uh, yeah, we had some on the ship, but the ones that we got were like the ones with all the issues in it. And it was just a part of, I don't even know what the occasion was, but I was very grateful for it. Yeah, no, that, that's cool. I, it, I thought it was very, it's very similar to when Galaxy's Edge opened. They did a Marvel Comics run for, for Galaxy's Edge. Also a very like short run, five issues long or so, maybe it was in four. Um, but uh, they did short stories kind of based in Black Spire Outpost and uh, you know, they had their own creation, their own character, Vi Morati, who is like resistant spy who shows up in the yeah. stories and, you know, pops up in the parks. And uh, I love how they did the same thing with Halcyon Legacy. Um, the captain of the ship, Captain Keevan and director Lenka Mock and mm-hmm. uh, the the D three oh nine. Is it the the droid? Yeah. 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 And uh, the first order great. Lieutenant <laughs> Croy, who ends up being like the villain of the story. So I got two questions for you. Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, the D3 droid, because everyone who walks into the room, they get like an AI style sort of droid sort of communications panel on the wall where you can ask it questions and yeah. it answers. Like, how does that work? And then also completely separate question. Uh, the first order, Lieutenant Croy mm-hmm. from the comic book, he, you know, towards the end of the story, he says, uh, I've got to investigate the Halcyon legacy because, you know, he gets the idea like, oh, they're harboring mm-hmm. resistance people aboard the ship. Um, is that a direct, yeah. supposed to be a direct tie into why he shows up in the experience when he does? Yeah. So let me answer the first one first. So D3, um, D309, but we always call it D3 for short because, of course, it's much easier. Um, so you're talking to the right person because I helped facilitate some of the, the crew training on that um, at a certain point. But essentially, D3 is, you know, like an AI. I think it's like Disney's first AI character, I think. I don't know. I think she holds that title, but don't quote me on it. Um, Um, and passengers can interact with that panel and D3 will dart the initial interaction, just trying to get to know the family. Um, and she can make special offerings. She doesn't, but the thing that a lot of people never really understood because, you know, it's hard to make it clear when we're not standing there with the passengers the entire time, like interact with her this way. Um, is that she can't always, you know, if you ask her to do something, she's not always going to do it because she's AI, you know. Right. Um, so she would sometimes offer, you know, various stories based on the experience. And um, everything is powered through the magic bands or the M bands is what we call them because we didn't want to call them magic bands on the ship. Um, and the M bands have a lot of information about the passengers in terms of what they're doing on their phone or their data pad, um, which is facilitated through that whole Play Disney app. It's the people who worked on this are phenomenal. So if any world, if 
if anybody they have to be listening shout out to all of you you're incredible um i can't imagine what went behind all of it but mm-hmm. d3 could at times recognize how that journey's going uh and so like if people were first order aligned you know she might not be as willing to share any resistance intel um and if you know you're resistance leaning then of course it is what it is um but you could like there were some situations passenger could get in where like they help her negotiate with a pirate to like let us go through the adnax nebula at night um she would tell bedtime stories sometimes if you ask for one about like r2d2 being the hero of all the star wars movies which is so funny uh just cool cool little stuff like that so she was just there to like really what and what um my the, the people i worked with really want us to emphasize is that she was there to enhance the experience so she wasn't like a concierge droid she couldn't like turn off lights or get help put in a, re- a request of the desk to get towels she was just like there to kind of be an extra character but like personally in your room so um gotcha she really was just like another character and they were just playing around with the ai medium it, she was cool but uh you know it was hard to like get the most out of it sometimes for passengers just because uh it's hard to communicate that right to, to them to be like oh you know it's an ai droid yeah, they got they got to <laughs> figure it out for themselves and, right. yeah yeah exactly exactly um and then as far as croy in the comics yes that is supposed to tie right in because uh, when your halcyon journey starts like i think it's a few days before you board on your app you get a message from chandrila starline they're like just so you know the the first order is investigating chandrila starline but it shouldn't impact our 275th anniversary voyage you'll be fine and then you know you get on the ship and you start the captain's toast or muster and you quickly find out not everything's fine and Croy arrives with some stormtroopers so uh that ties directly into the beginning of our story he thinks that we got resistance activity going on the ships so you know let him be the judge of it <laughs> gotcha gotcha um so this whole experience that takes place between episodes eight and nine and uh you know with the overall kind of like i'm assuming it's a repeat sort of overarching story through the whole experience but uh, they really emphasize the various storylines that the guests can experience like throughout the whole weekend. So can you mm-hmm. sort of elaborate on sort of what that was like as a guest, you know, the various storylines being uh, like taking place through the activities or like what is it that like how did that look like? Yeah. So the fun thing about the storylines is that you could kind of be a part of multiple at the same time. Um, so it was really fun because obviously on the crew member side, I pretty plainly could see like who was doing what because I could see I'm checking people in for events so if you're coming to a resistance event i know your resistance and if you're going to the first order event well like <laughs> you know i know that you're trying to take over the ship um but there is the resistance path which is there's a bunch of different ones that could branch off of that but you know there's one where you're really helping cruise director lanka mock and you know you really want to work with her she's like the probably one of the strongest resistance allies if not the strongest that you could bond with on the ship um and that goes hand in hand with her droid sk620 who's like what people probably think is like the R2 looking droid is SK. And then um, there's like Resistance Scoundrel, which is Wraith Cole. So he's like, think like the Han Solo character, I guess, is the best way I can describe him. Um, but him with Gaia, who of course is the, the like entertainer. Um, she is the, you know, best entertainer in the galaxy. She is our intergalactic queen. And they were kind of hand in hand because Wraith is Gaia's manager. So that was kind of like your scoundrelly path. But Wraith had a thing for Lanka, so he was willing to help the Resistance 
questions. Um, and then, of course, first order, pretty self-explanatory. If you're helping Croy, if you're helping the storm troopers, then, you know, that's, that's the path you're going down. But you could technically be first order and resistance, which if you're trying to be a double agent, you could make it happen. But it, it was hard because nobody would trust you. And then, then there's the force path, of course. So we have the Saja, who aren't really like Jedi. I think that confuses a lot of people who didn't get to go, which is totally understandable. Um, but the Saja are like teachers of lightsaber training, but they were supposed to be like a more elusive to the force like they weren't really sure they could ever like wield it mm. um but they were the ones who if you like wanted to be a jedi you would really hang around the saja but yeah you could really like experience um it would be hard to experience all of the various things you could do because there's so many different combinations like yes those are four very like distinctive things like resistance scoundrel first order jedi but nothing was really ever set in stone and nobody ever really like fully committed to one path i mean maybe they did but most people would accidentally you know at least have an interaction with some people who are in another um, allegiance and they would be slightly that way too so yeah. um, I know when I did my voyage with my family I was I wanted to be mostly with Wraith Cole because that just seemed like the most fun but I was Wraith Cole and resistance like you know I was I was both of those hardcore um, and some people would do first order and scoundrel some people would do first order and like I said first order resistance be double agents and of course the Jedi path too was also very usually resistance aligned but um, yeah those are all kind of like the different paths definitely easy to intertwine but it was the pull of that's why so many people came so many different times like they wanted to do it again and again so they could experience all the different storylines because there are like these story moments that just happen throughout the voyage and you never know when they're going to happen unless you like commit so hard to certain paths it's it's very interesting interesting is is, you've alluded to being a guest aboard the 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 ship with your family then so so what was your what was your favorite Mm -hmm. narrative aboard the experience like when you were a guest yeah i have to say um being a part of of what's called the Hyannanea heist or it's like Rachel pulls off this heist where there's this really precious um, stone called the Hyannanea and the hyperspace compass which is this artifact in the atrium and so you're helping him like feel that back because it's a very precious artifact for the people of Ryloth, the Twi'leks and um, so you're helping Gaia to get this back to her people. It's been gone for hundreds of years and that was really fun because um, of course I had a little bias because the person who's friends with Wraith on this voyage clearly knows who I am because I voyaged when I was like after I'd been working there for five months <laughs> uh, maybe six so they definitely knew me and we had a relationship but you know they don't play favorites still they treat everybody equally but um, he knew I really wanted to do it so uh, we were down in the cargo hold just like small cornered across from like the dining room it's a very dimly lit space and he has like me and my family who was also like trust deemed trustworthy and then like only a handful of other people and He's using Sabacc cars to hand us all out very specific roles we had to play to pull up this heist. I, I, it was, it was just so much fun, and there's so much stuff that happens right there that even as a crew member who'd been working there for six months, I never knew that like those characters exchanged those lines at that time. But yeah, it happens every voyage. Like yeah. it's right. just crazy to think about. Um, it's, it's all, it's but yeah, I say, like I say definitely play. like that whole high end heist. Was, it is. Oh, absolutely. Um, I actually I saw a live play studying abroad in London, gosh, five years ago now. And that it, it very much feels like that same thing. I saw it was The Great Gatsby, and I experienced that. And the, the actors didn't even have microphones. Of course, the actors at the Star Cruiser did need microphones because when they were in the atrium, they needed to be heard sometimes. Um, but it, yeah, it was basically like a live action play. And But you're in it. You're in mm-hmm. the play. You just don't know what your lines are. <laughs> so, um, But there was never any pressure to, you know, know what your lines are. You just kind of went as you, went as you went. But yeah, 
it that's essentially what it felt like so being a live play of course like and and you talk about the atrium like that's where i guess everyone gathers and it's sort of like a central area for a lot of uh you know just Mm -hmm. kind of interaction with the characters on board and stuff like that Uh, a lot of us have seen sort of the promotional Mm -hmm. videos and stuff with with ray fighting kylo ran aboard the halcyon legacy and the story i'm assuming that has a Mm -hmm. place somewhere um have you seen this uh and the patent is out there right so like Hopefully this isn't, you know, a completely breaking the magic for people. But mm-hmm. um, is have you seen the extendable mm-hmm. lightsaber up close? You know, like what what is this? I've only seen it over the camera. Mm-hmm. So like, what does this thing actually look like? Yeah, I think that maybe one of the only props I've never seen up close. Um, no. Of course, you know, I've been close enough. Like, I'm sta- yeah, I know, I know. I'm standing like, you know, but I'm standing where other passengers can stand. So I'm really not seeing anything. Great. You know, they, they are smart in that respect to keep, you know, people like me just in case you get too curious now um prop masters are delightful everybody who worked there is just i i miss them all so much they're so amazing um but no i never saw that one up close unfortunately but you know of course i know how they you know make it work for the rest of the fight the people um the the actors who are also doing their own stunts in that scene all incredible people love all of them so much they're all of our rays and kylos are just so cool um but yeah they they slayed that scene but i never got to see that technology up close unfortunately i i hate to tell you <laughs> gotcha it's very cool i mean any, anytime i see the the videos for yeah. any of that stuff like yeah i've been sitting here just crossing my fingers mm-hmm. that one day disney will start to sell it as a prop yeah <laughs> well because yeah. we, we've got a friend who yeah. sells lightsabers and we love lightsabers <laughs> over here so um i got i gotta just ask oh, like yeah. what what is your favorite lightsaber like is there is there a favorite hilt favorite character hilt that you like just you know that's your that's the one i mean unless you guys tell me it doesn't count the dark saber i mean i love nice. mandalorians <laughs> you know <laughs> well, I, I got the um i bought the dark, yeah i bought um disney's dark saber hilt while i was in uh disney um bought it for myself for christmas that was maybe not the wisest choice for me, you know, just 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 financial wise. <laughs> you know, being in the college program at Disney, I'm like, oh gosh, now I'm out like and of course then they started selling the dark saber for like 30% off like a two months later and I was like, you have to be joking. No, no. Um, but I I do love I do love the dark saber. I wish they I wish Din got to be able to like wield it well at least once, but that's okay. Yeah. Um but uh, we also sold our own lightsaber hill on the house and I never ended up buying it, but it was and it because it wasn't really anything like super elaborate design wise, but it did have the Shindrilo Starline logo, like those two lines with the circle and the dot. Um, um, it had that on the bottom right. and it, it had like you had uh, arabesque letters that you could like magnetically stick on it and it was pretty cool i had to, i had to sell that you know a lot merchandise was part of my job too you'll find i i literally was anywhere on the ship at any given point in my role so um i was in the store sometimes selling stuff and i'd be like look at this lightsaber hilt yeah. <laughs> it's great you can put different <laughs> arabesque letters on it but uh i would say yeah definitely like oh, my favorite lightsaber is the dark saber <laughs> Have you? Did you ever joke around with somebody like that when they presented their credit card and they'd be like, "Republic credit, so no good idea." I'll I'll tell you the most the most incredible interaction I had in terms of credits at that store was somebody with a replica um, uh, Beskar ingot that was so heavy it was oh. the most insane like replica I've seen like they they wow. I'm talking about you know I'm probably rambling about Mandalorian Mandalorian <laughs> history as I always do in in and out of the ship and they're like well you know what I happen to have and they just pulled this Beskar in, ingot out of their pocket I was like what <laughs> had the Imperial insignia on it and everything it literally looked 
like it came off the set of the Mandalorian. It was crazy. That's I was cool. like, well, unfortunately, I don't think we can take Beskar payment yet. <laughs> Just walking around. Yeah, like it, was, it was. It was. <laughs> Best dedication. No, and I, I was like, you know, I got like my eye twitching. I'm like, I would love to take this from you, but you can keep that. <laughs> I'm like, man, this would be so cool to have. And people did give us a lot of gifts. I have an entire black tote bag. I haven't even sorted through yet full of like random sweet gifts that people would just give us on voyages especially near the closure you know it, it, people were always trying to give us stuff um which was super sweet wow. but unfortunately that best car and got was never one of them but <laughs> yeah that that person shout out because that was insane i i was losing it i'm sure like internally at that moment i probably had to like go you know back somewhere hidden and just scream <laughs> <laughs> They used to have it a lot. Yeah. I would I just want to scream on the spot <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> Sounds like you need to join the Mandalorian Mercs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you have a costume? Oh, oh yeah. No, I see that's that's my struggle. I would love that. I'm just not crafty enough to, to like put a suit together. I need I need help. But one of my um uh, for lack of a better term, managers, because there's a lot of like Disney hierarchy lingo. I'm not going to, you know, make you guys memorize what all that is. But one of my managers for uh, my food and beverage part of my job there, uh, he does a lot of cosplay work. He used to be like my work dad. A bunch of us would call him like dad at work. So shout out, Jacob. Uh, love you, miss you. Uh, he was an avid, co- still is avid cosplayer. And he made me like a 3D printed uh, of Din's pauldron with the mud horn on it because nice. he knew I was going on a voyage. So I did end up wearing that on my Batu day. Uh, I had to take it off at a certain point because it was very, like, it was very clunky because I didn't have any other pieces of armor. So for me, I'm like, you know, walking around and it's clunking around and I got like a tiny shoulder. Um, but I, I mean, it would be a dream one day to have, you know, a full Mando Merc suit, but I just got to get craftier or, you know, I got to make a friend who's willing to craft it all for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think those groups are pretty good, at least everyone I've talked to. So if you, I'm sure there's a local regiment, yeah. they'll happily take you in and show you the ropes and yeah. give you tips and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I just got to, I just got to lock in, you know, at mm-hmm. this, at this point I might as well, you know, here I am, I'm writing yeah. Star Wars stuff. So might as well, no, there's no better time than now. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. We had a guest on uh, a while ago. Uh, her name was Jess. She she was part of the the Boba Boba Fett fan club, and um, I I don't know if she's. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, if you so if you love Mandalorians, um, you know she's actually in our Discord still, and yeah, yeah, I'm sure she'd be happy to chat with you at some point. I don't know. Maybe she knows some people, but. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. she'd say yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Um, how so? How has uh, your time working at the Walt Disney World World experience like just impacted your love of the more recent Star Wars stories because you you know I, I think we we all sort of grew up in that time of the prequels my favorite Star Wars movie is Revenge of the Sith and mm-hmm. and uh you know the Clone Wars came out right when I hit high school and it was sort of like the perfect age you know for for this show that was sort of a bit, yeah. bit more gritty you know PG rated animated clone mm-hmm. Star Wars shows just like we're talking you know, cartoon network the here. best oh my god no yeah. yeah 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 no more treehouse TV so like like um so growing up having you know, like your favorite Star Wars movies sort of cemented in this particular era uh like you know being mm-hmm. having to be sort of immersed on a day-to-day experience right like in this sort of mm-hmm. new trilogy of films with these new stories and stuff like mm-hmm. I guess what was uh what was that like for you as a Star Wars fan you know having sort of t- to be that every day yeah so it definitely you know not that I had like a negative outlook but you know like the general kind of feeling that most people 
people have towards the newer movies is like it for me personally i enjoyed them but they weren't you know my favorite right i i, I just you know thought there could be some improvements but it's not you know to it, it's still they're still fun to watch for me but getting to work in this experience um definitely made me appreciate them more i would say uh getting to you know work with the characters so really the only sequel trilogy like established characters we worked with uh were you know chewbacca ray kylo i mean i, I never really like talked to kylo ren but you know maybe i would see kylo ren you know um uh, <laughs> don't, don't want to speak too much to that but um, those were really the only three like established characters of the sequel trilogy I would see. But even then, it gave me a deeper appreciation for them and um, their role in, in the movies. And then being on Batuu, because even though we're on the Star Cruiser, our passengers would be going to Batuu on their second day. And we had to help facilitate them getting on and off the ship and things like that. And so I was on Batuu quite a bit working. Of course, I would go as a day yet, like right after work too sometimes. <laughs> but um, I, when I was there working, I would you know be seeing the storm troopers roaming and seeing kylo and um of course i, I never saw ray because we were in the first order part of like the outpost the entire time so it was really just kylo and uh, the first order lieutenant too who uh peruses the outpost mm. uh, lieutenant agnon so i would see the interchanging of uh various faces for that and that it just like being a part of the immersion really makes you feel like you're there kind of like i said earlier so i really felt like i was a part of those stories yeah and that that definitely does help your outlook and it's cool to like know that you were a part of the story that like like I'm technically semi-canon because <laughs> you know I had to be canon because like everything that's there has to be canon technically so, so know, like you know you knowing that you're kind of canon in that part <laughs> yep exactly you never I could be you know like the next person running with a Camtono through Cloud City shout out we'll go for it. if they make a but, Lego um, Halcyon you know, legacy are you gonna be a, Mo a Molly minifigure yeah. <laughs> Yeah, never, I mean, when they um, when they released the, the the Star Wars like a movie that was on the Halcyon, the summer vacation, there's uh, it's really funny because it's definitely a pure coincidence because that movie came out I think like in the summer of 2022. Yeah. Um, and one of the Legos in the background that is a Chandrila Starline worker looks just like one of my coworkers there, like red hair, not Charles. This is a different redhead. Um, like red hair, like it's just like crazy. Like they look the same, and so we always <laughs> used to like joke, we're like, that's Eli. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we make jokes about being kidding. But um, yeah, I definitely have, have a much bigger appreciation for that era. And and it's the only time Rey and Kylo Ren see each other between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker canonically. So the fact I got to see that fight happen, like, gosh, oh, I don't know how many more, how that. many times now. But I, I'll tell you what, I never I never got sick of it. Yeah, it's the only time they meet in canon between those two movies. Oh. And I used to get to see it, like, just on a, on a Tuesday night, clocking into work. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna need to look up some of that uh, selfie yeah. uh, stick footage. And uh... <laughs> oh, absolutely! Listen, my dad got a whole vlog when we were on our voyage, so I'll I'll link you to it. He got a great shot of that whole oh, perfect. scene. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so uh, do you think that the designated era of the storytelling was because uh, and Blake and I have speculated about this. Do you think this was maybe a bit of a disconnect mm -hmm. for potential guests who would have otherwise attended mm -hmm. if it was based in their era of choice? Because I grew. Yeah, we, I think we all grew up in a, in a time in which the prequels were very divisive films at the time. And, you know, I remember, yeah. you know, like yourself, you know, joking about, you know, hiding your Jar Jar love like it was kind of the same for me. And, and uh, you know, like I would always get flack. It's like if someone found out, like I love the prequels, it was like 
dang, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, as if I was committing a crime. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just think like there's still fans out there, though, that, you know, they're they're super uh, hardcore to the bone for the original trilogy. And, you know, they might not be willing to to put out for, you know, the the premium experience that this is. And if it's not based in their era of choice, like, you know, what are your theories on that? um, If I might ask. Yeah. So, um, of course, like and everything I say is always just my opinion. Like this isn't anything I ever get filtered from from yeah. disney but um i i do think definitely in some cases it played a factor in some ways if you were there and you were doing the experience you didn't really care that it was the sequel trilogy from my opinion i never really remember seeing any passengers who were like you know oh you know ray mary sue which don't, i can't even get started on, on elaborating <laughs> that uh let's not unpack all of that um but you know i never saw anything like that or people right. openly disrespecting them um you know of course some people just don't know boundaries in general when it comes to entertainment across the board but that's a different issue um but i even just talking amongst my coworkers, you know we're like yeah you know they like if if we were able to do different eras you know maybe we would get you know more people would would you know want to spend the money to come stuff like that uh just like kind of we would just throw the ideas around ourselves um it was it was very interesting though because yeah because that's exactly what josh and i were kind of yeah you go ahead because like if it was like yeah in theory, just like rolling eras, so like you, I don't know, like a couple months of this era, a couple months of that era, or even like week to week. Like in the park, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. yeah, over like that, too. Yeah. But yeah. just swapping out costumes yeah. and like leaving the, everything else the same. I do wonder if that mm-hmm. would have drawn a lot more uh, attention to people who yeah. were really yeah. drawn to one era. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's the ideal scenario. Like, I wonder, I always wonder if that's something they like are trying to make work, but I can understand why at the same time it wouldn't because it's just so many logistics and like you, like you mentioned, all the tie ins. Like there's so much mm-hmm. history they've already built around it, and they mm-hmm. have Vimeratis. Like, what would they do with all of that? You know, if everything looks the same, you know, back in the days of of you know the the before the fall of the Jedi, as it does when the First Order comes around. Like, right. that's that's tricky to talk around. But well, I guess since like Batuu's a backwater planet, they might. <laughs> you know, that's that's saying that's saying yeah, or that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, they're they're already kind of bending their roles, and this was this was especially I did not mind because you'll you'll find out um the biggest reason like like i really wanted to go to disneyland when i worked at disney world because disneyland had din they had din and grogu they got them in like november or something 2022 and disney world did not have them so i don't know if you knew that but Hmm. disney world did not have din and grogu when disneyland got them in their galaxy's edge and so like they had boba fett they had fennec shan they had din jar and they had all these characters and disney world only had the sequel trilogy characters and i was like man i really want to meet din like i'm i'm gonna go all the way to california just to meet him um and then Commitment. surprise yeah. march 1st the day of this, this yep season three premiere day didn't grogu just walk out of disney world and i had no idea even as somebody who was working at the star cruiser i had no idea that they were coming um nobody knew really so that was i got to witness their like second set ever when they walked out which was cool because i happened to be walking to the park the first time they ever came out um so hence why earlier i called that the best day of my life that you know there's there's a lot going on for me that day um but that for us was a huge challenge because how do we talk around Din, Jarn, and Grogu walking around in, you know, 35 ABY? 
because people would do them. Yeah, they'd see them on their Batu day and come back and be like, I just saw Grogu. And I'm like, who's that? Um, <laughs> you know, that's really all you could do was play dumb, which broke my heart as as the Mandalorian fan I am. I'm like, what do you mean I have to ask you who Din Djarin is? <laughs> this is so humbling. Um, <laughs> I know everything there is to know about him. Um, but yeah, it definitely, like, it's, it's interesting to see them kind of pushing those boundaries. They recognize that they need these characters there, these newer characters, and they should be bringing more of the older characters back. So, I I mean, Disney World personally has an out on it because they have Star Wars Launch Bay, uh, which is where I know, like, they're starting to make a little bit better use of that space, like with Ashley Eckstein for Ahsoka Tano Day. It's going to be doing a meet and greet there soon. Oh, cool. um, and they have, like, a whole theater in there, and I think they used to do a show for, like, the sequel trilogy era, but then, like, you know, when COVID happened, things got changed, and they had never really brought it back. But there you can meet, like, Chewbacca, Vader, and BB-8. At least at the time when I was working there, that's what those three characters were. So I feel like they could use a space a little bit more and get, like, you know, like, Anakin Skywalker. I know they have the costuming for it because he was at, like, a late-night event either at Disney World or Disneyland. Like, you know, they have, like, these these resources. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so it's just a matter um, of... But I do know, think, personally, use. yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I, I was almost... I know that idea was getting thrown around a lot, too, when we closed with people being like, oh, are they going to remake it to, like, Mandalorian era to make it more popular? I honestly don't know. <laughs> None, yeah. Nobody knew. We, I, I don't know to this day. It's, it's so, so tough um, because I, I got no idea. They, they, yeah. uh, they have these ships out, you know, on, on all the time. They, these giant, like Kylo Ren's big ship and stuff. Yeah. So it, it would be a challenge to mm-hmm. change the era and have to maybe remove that. But if they're bending the rules, like letting, yeah. you know, Boba Fett and, you know, Mando and, and, and Grogu just walk out and Fennec Shand, you know, it's just like, it kind of begs yeah. the question, like, okay, it's really just a matter of like where they're willing to bend the rules, you know, and, and I think like mm-hmm. with the characters, it might be more of like a standpoint of promoting their new content on yeah. Disney plus rather than this yeah. is what the fans want. And, you know, personally, I would love it if they did like six month seasons, you know, it's like, hey, now we're doing like Empire Rebellion season. I don't care if the Kylo Ren ship's still there, you know, like, you know, yeah, just swap out. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's weird for me to like talk about Galaxy's Edge to to people who don't know what it is and then tell them this is a place that's basically like Star Wars land where you can't see Darth Vader and Stormtroopers, (laughs) you know, like it's it's the most surreal conversation (laughs) because as I talk about it, I'm like, like, wait a minute like what and when i when i've gone to universal yeah. studios like sorry this is a whole tangent um like when i've gone to universal <laughs> studios like i've i've thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed the the wizarding world harry potter experience there and mm-hmm. it's sort mm-hmm. of it's sort of vague as to the canonicity of the events that transpire at the park i don't really think it is i mean the rides have their own storyline going on but it's sort sort right. of like it's like a fan service ride rather than like, this is a story ride. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I gotta be honest. Like, I think I kind of prefer that. And I'm a star Wars fan of the bone, but it sort of yeah. just allows me to unlock my own imagination. And the, there's no restrictions on like the park, you know, everyone in the park mm-hmm. is sort of, even though it's not as cemented in a particular era, because, you know, of course there's a giant dragon on the top of Gringotts and, you know, everything else is sort of coexisting in the same time period. But just as right. like as like a personal preference, like is that what you would prefer? Um, yeah, because I know that that's what I would prefer out of Galaxy's Edge or out of a Disney mm-hmm. experience that involves a Star Wars, you know, story. But is that what you would prefer as well? In an ideal world, you know, you get to go to Disneyland and have those photo opportunities with Darth Vader and then Darth Maul and then Boba Fett and mm-hmm. all these different things at the same time.
time or do you prefer the the in-canon kind of cemented storylines? Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, you know, I think I have to take it from various perspectives. So I think as from your perspective, too, as somebody who's just a fan of Star Wars, who grew up with the prequel trilogy, who wants to just like, you know, go to Star Wars land and see Darth Vader and his stormtroopers and maybe Luke Skywalker comes around the corner. Like, yeah, heck yeah, sign me up. I want, you know, I don't care if, like you said, Kylo Ren's, uh, you know, TIE fighter is behind him. I I don't care. Like, just give me, give me Luke Skywalker. I think it'd be really cool if they could find a way to really do that. At the same time, it's like, it is cool to have the history of of Batu if you know it. That's the only thing. That's the catch is you have to know it to appreciate it fully. Um, And, you know, see Vi Marathi and stuff. But I I think that the only problem with, with Galaxy's Edge in that respect is that they did create this beautiful, like, backstory and all these interconnected stories. And, you know, they bring Vi Marathi in, which is super cool. And, Mm -hmm. but the day to day gate, uh, they guess, excuse me, are not going to recognize by Marathi. Um, they, I think a lot of people see her and they're like, who is that? Who is she? What movie is she from? Right. <laughs> she's yeah. not, you know, she's not, you're like, oh. <laughs> uh, like most people are not asking for pictures with Vi Marathi or, you know, they're asking for a picture thinking it's someone in, that's in a movie or a show and then they go home and they're like, I don't know who this is. But that's no disrespect to Vi Marathi, my queen, and everybody who has ever been quote-unquote friends with her. You guys are amazing, but it's just the nature of it. Um, but I also do know people who have helped to create the story of Galaxy's Edge because, you know, just for the nature of working at the Star Cruise, there are a lot of similar people and they're amazing storytellers with huge, you know, huge just visions and imagination nations and the kindest people we all ever talked to and like brilliant and the stuff that they used to advice they used to give us at the star cruiser is just so cool and but it's just it's tricky yeah. like they really really wanted to go all in and, and creating this one specific world that's unique that you know you have to go there to understand um kind of thing but at the same time it's it's hard for those fans who just want to see the, the people they love yeah. you know the people they grew up with so yeah, really i'm i'm a it's you not really a both. yeah for me it's not like yes or no yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't you can't do both. So I feel like in a way I almost wish it was like I, I, the only way it could really work is if they did like certain hours almost. So it's like, okay, it's it, during the day we have the, the Batu people, you know, the, the mm-hmm. people who are here for the story. Once sun goes down, bring out Vader. But at the same time, you can't bring out Vader at night because he's not going to be able to see where he's going. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a whole other problem for those poor actors. But yeah, it's just, um, that's, I, I really, it's hard to envision a way they can make it work, but I wish we could have both effective. at the same time. Yeah. Um, that's the other side of it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Yeah, exactly. Um, that's why like Star Wars launch bay should get more attention because that's a perfect spot for it. Anyway, right. sorry, continue. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great point because like like do you do you remember when they did other Star Wars style events before Galaxy's Edge? Um, I don't know how often you went to to Disney yeah. as a kid, but. Um, I recall uh, there, there is some some pretty redonkulous footage of like those Star Wars dances that they used to do. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Like Boba Fett. I just yeah. one in my head right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They um, they had there was like there was like various things they would do. They went, they had Star Wars weekends um at Hollywood Studios um and I think that like those videos were a part of Star Wars weekends um and they had like the I don't know the official name but it's like a Jedi training and it was a stage outside of Star Tours. Yeah, and so like you could like yeah. get chosen to get trained with a lightsaber. Some like, little they had kid like was that. just whacking Darth yeah. Vader like it was no tomorrow. Like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you couldn't even yeah. see the kid. Yeah, and then, <laughs> she's short. 
<laughs> yeah, they had like, I remember my first time ever going to Disney, I was like, who on the cusp of turning three? Like, there's no way I should remember this. But like deep in the recesses of my brain, I remember seeing the Hollywood Studios parade that had like, like the cavalcade that had Luke and Leia in a Luke's land speeder and R2 and Vader, you know, like they, so they did cool. used to have that kind of stuff. But yeah. I know ever since, you know, Galaxy's Edge opened, it's you only see Star Wars either in Galaxy's Edge or if you go to Launch Bay and meet the specific characters. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. sad to see that they had to peel it back. And I feel like in a way, I guess they could avoid it by like having those characters still be meetable outside of Galaxy's Edge, like in the mm. rest of Hollywood Studios, just like they used to do. But at the same time, you see why that's tricky too, because people are going to get confused. They're like, why are there Star Wars characters not in the Star Wars land? <laughs> right, right. It's hard. It's like, yeah, it, it's it's really hard. I, I do wonder how long they're going to keep it yeah. um, in that's, this era because the, the, the sequel era is already like it's all released, getting old. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, not like old, but yeah, well, it's almost, it's almost yeah. been 10 years since the, the Force Awakened. You it's know, like 10 years, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, we yeah, got, we yeah. Got, oh, go for it. Go for it, Molly. Yeah, no problem. Um, It's crazy thing, too, because Galaxy's Edge didn't even open for, uh, I think Disneyland was a few months before Disney World. I could be wrong, but I think Disneyland was a few months before us. And it was 2019. That's the year the Mandalorian came out. Right. Like, that's the year oh, the yeah. Rise of Skywalker came out. Like, they yeah. didn't even open it until then. And um, really cool story from one of my coworkers who opened Galaxy's Edge at Disney World is they, in Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities, which is like, you know, a little shop with uh, where you can buy all the lightsabers and stuff, mm. um, has uh, Din's helmet and pulse rifle on the wall and nobody knew what it was. <laughs> they were like, what? They were like, oh, what is this Mandalorian helmet? And like, oh, that must be from the holiday special. And then, you know, the Mandalorian <laughs> premieres and they're like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's, it's just, I, I don't know when they're going to pivot because like, yeah, the, 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 the sequel trilogy really is starting to feel like it's already passing its era. But at the same time, Galaxy's Edge, especially with the with the pandemic, has only really been going for a few yeah. years. So I don't know. Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder how long they'll they'll let certain exhibits stay there, right? Like Kylo Ren's shuttle before they replace yeah. it with something else. I mean, we've got four new Star Wars movies on the way, right? You know, I mean, like yeah. how are they, I, I'm curious to see how they're going to use the park to sort of market those films, like the Dawn of the Jedi one. And, yeah, because they're different eras now. Yeah, they're all yeah. different eras. The only one that lines yeah. up with the park remotely is the Ray film that they're that they're looking at doing. Uh, which, yeah, you know, with with what happened yeah. with half of the other. Pro- projects in the past like who knows if any of these will see the light of day of course because you've got to take <laughs> yeah, everything with a grain of salt fair. nowadays even if it is announced but yeah. uh it's crazy but, yeah uh i, I gotta ask well in, yeah, what I, in your opinion is the most successfully immersive part of the ship of the whole experience um also the least immersive part like like maybe you have a, a list of top three i mean we were we were trying to come up with some some just random things the other day about this, but um, like, mm-hmm. like what, what would you say is like, you know, your top three sort of least and most immersive? Yeah. Great question. I love that one. Um, I'll start with the most immersive. So my favorite place on the entire Halcyon is the bridge where, you know, you're, you're seeing space through the transport or the, not the transport, the, the, oh gosh, the viewport. Gosh. Wow. I am, I am <laughs> out of my element. Um, it's been too long. Um, and you you're, you're literally interacting with the bridge. You're you're on the systems panels. You're on the weapons. You're shooting at things outside the viewport, and you're on shields. You're defending the ship, and you're also controlling these loader droids that are picking things up. It's just like it's so believable. The technology that goes into making it believable. Um, it's not something I think I can really talk about, but I've seen it up close, and it's just it's like amazing. I could spend days just like looking at this technology. That's um, cool. 
but mm. it, it's so it's so real when you're in there and and then the story aspect of it really gets you tied up because um you do your bridge training so crew members like me and the reason i love the bridge so much is i was a crew member who used to train other crew members how to do this activity but we leave like a bridge training which teaches the passengers how to use all the councils um and i loved doing that training and i loved training people to do the training i got to know the bridge really well um definitely left in the bridge a few times because it was late at night that training um we you know we could only really uh play around in space when people were asleep (laughs) so you can imagine how late that was um but um it's just the the story that went into is when the characters would come in at the end of the training and it was always a different character based on what time your training was at uh, with a different story that a different thing they had to get accomplished and you'd go through an asteroid field and you're you're involved in the action and it's just so immersive the from the screens to the characters, they know your name, they say your name, you jump into hyperspace. I've jumped into hyperspace. I can't even begin to count how many times I've, I've jumped into hyperspace at this point. Um, it's so cool. So the, the the bridge, anything on the bridge, bridge training, bridge events, definitely like my top tier immersive. It's, you really feel like you're on a ship doing stuff. It's like Star <laughs> like, it's Tours so cool. all the time. Yeah. Uh, well, exactly, to... except without the motion sickness. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's only a good thing. <laughs> Because I, I did yeah, watch... The, uh... Some people would, like, yeah. Sorry, you go some, ahead. Be, some people? Mm-hmm. Um, some people would, like, convince themselves, like, gaslight themselves into thinking that they were motion sick. Oh, I see. And I didn't have the heart to tell them. <laughs> we are we are, we are, are in a building. <laughs> like, this is not... This is a stationary this is not vessel. <laughs> I, I had a passenger once who insisted that they were motion sick. And I'm like, please, <laughs> we're in a building. <laughs> yeah, it's just a TV, people. Like, <laughs> I, I guess, I guess yeah, it would exactly. be... Uh, like, a bit yes. similar to the, the the ride, right? The Rise of the Resistance ride when you first get out of the shuttle and and you're w- looking at the giant sort of starscape uh, behind the the hangar right. uh, shield, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I assume it's probably that's a similar exactly experience. how it feels. Right, yep. yeah. yeah, I could understand people who were like claustrophobic because we had no windows to the outdoors, of course, because right. then it's just bright Orlando light coming in. Right. Um, so it's all like screens everywhere you look. But we did have one room, which is the um, climate simulator, which, you know, quote unquote, simulates the climate of Batu. Uh, so that's door. usually where I would tell people to go if they're like feeling claustrophobic. Like, I, yeah, I totally understood. And you also, you could leave like to just go to the, like the terminal or the front whenever you wanted. If you needed to go somewhere, if you just need to get air, like people who need smoke breaks, they would right. take the launch pod back down to the terminal and they could go back out the front. I'm sorry. Um, Man, you're not allowed to leave. So We're in there space. are ways to get <laughs> Yeah, exactly. you know, it's funny because people. Some people would ask. They're like, they're like, am I allowed to like go do this? I'm like, you can do whatever you want. Like, you're not duck in space. But it would be funny, like, if people wanted, you know, needed to go and we're in the middle of hyperspace, and I'm just like sending out a launch pod. People are like, <laughs> you're gonna kill them, and I'm like, I'm sorry, <laughs> there's nothing I can do. <laughs> That's what they want. Yeah, I can only imagine like some exactly. some like young family or something with their kids like five years old and they've seen that episode of the Clone Wars when like you know someone gets ejected out of hyperspace like while they're in hyperspace back in a real space yeah. or the episode of Rebels that happens right and then just like flipping out yeah. like mom don't mom <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, and you know it's going to be the kids getting into it the most. Oh, too. Yeah. Like, oh, totally. I'm surprised I never saw a kid, like, scream and cry when we're getting blasted over by an asteroid fire blaze. Like, yeah. that is very realistic. Yeah. Uh, but thankfully that never happened. Yeah. At least not on a, any bridge that I worked on, but I'm sure my, one of my coworkers might have had a story or two. Have you ever seen anyone order the, the Kyber drink? This is a super talked about drink on the internet. Maybe you can explain what it is. Josh, you didn't Kyber drink? I don't know. I didn't, un unfortunately, I didn't, um, I didn't like work in the bar area a lot. Um, that was like a separate, like our bartenders, of course, separate position, but I was in the bar sometimes. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's confusing. Um, so I don't know if I, I don't know if I know about like, like the Kyber drink. I know, of course, like there's one that's, there's a drink that's very expensive. That's I don't remember one. what it's called. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. This one, and involved, yeah. And it doesn't involve like smoke. I, I think so. I think no? it's, so it's in it's in the canteen thing or whatever those things are called and like the doors open yeah. and it's like this dry ice kind of smoke yeah. like okay. poofs out and you got like it's four like cups drink. in there yeah yeah like, i think this drink is like like 1200 oh, does it bucks have, like, or something all the different straws oh yeah, yeah. I've, i mean so i've only I, seen I, pictures I think, of it yeah 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 i think though so i know the one that's really expensive i think the reason it's so expensive because you like keep you get to keep it like right. you get to keep oh, okay. like the, the the thing it's in i think i don't know i don't remember anybody ever at least when i when i was near the sublight lounge is where the what the bar is called like i don't remember seeing it but i know there's like a, a, a blowtorch in the in the yeah. prep area that i think was for an expensive drink might have been for that one well, I'm, 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 I'm really just, unfortunately i don't know i do know there was one drink called i don't know if the drink was called Yukola atima but they would play Yukola atima whenever somebody ordered it and it like could serve multiple people at once like you're i think you're all like drinking out of these straws in a canister maybe that's what it is maybe oh, it's that okay. drink but they would like they, we had this song that could play and it's like Yukola atima and it would just like play <laughs> oh that that's, that's, that's that was like, like that a tiki place we went tradition. to it was like a tiki bar yeah it's like a tiki bar yeah. like yeah and a tiki bar they normally have these big like bowl like punch bowl drinks fish that they bowls, can, yeah they fish bowls them. yeah and then everyone's mm -hmm. got a straw and they always play like a big song you know when, yep. it, when it comes out it reminds me of that yeah that's like yep the star wars equivalent is yukola atima and and they would play whenever uh, people split that drink and was this a song <laughs> that they wrote for the drink or is this a reused yeah, song? i guess it has to be because i don't i haven't heard it anywhere else in star wars but yukola atima apparently means let's drink in hatis <laughs> i don't know if that's something that's well known i don't know if that was made up Yukola Tima means let's drink in Hatties. And I know that because one of the bigger recreation activities I used to do too is called Cantina Chronicles. And it was like the non-alcoholic version of the flight of drinks, of like specialty yeah. drinks. And I had to like make all the drinks and know all the stories. So one of the stories is like it comes from Takadana and from Maz's castle. And it's like used to help her make deals. And Yukola Tima was the toast they would make. So It must be nice to know more Hatties than yep. Pudu and Slimo. <laughs> <laughs> that's all i know yeah you know i'm more i'm, I'm still more well versed in mandoa but which is slowly getting canon um but yeah. you know i can never could just whip that out on the star cruiser i some, some there's a greeting in um we talk in inzelan not often because i don't really know many inzelan phrases so fortunately i can't provide that but our founder was the inzelan shug jabor so we had some inzelan phrases thrown around like tabuite was our biggest one which means savor the moment that was our toast is tabuite but there's a way to say hello and more passengers knew it than me and every time they said it it sounded like they were saying like soy kuigar which like 
horrible. I butchered that pronunciation. But like, there's also a Mandoa for that that means hello. Like, it sounded like the Mandoa way of saying hello. So I'd often be like, "Excuse me, what are you? Are you is that Mandoa?" And they're like, "No, that's how you. That's in Zelen." And I'm like, "Yeah, I knew that. I work here. <laughs> Founder Shuck Jabor. Have, have you, you turned so, around? And go, ah, yeah." <laughs> Yeah, I, I wanted to see Dank Varric so bad. Yeah, <laughs> Dank Varric. Yeah, have, have you um, have you have you uh, read the Republic Commando series? No, it's bad. It's on my t- my my to be read list. There is a lot. So There's long. a lot of then, Mando terms in there. It's yeah. all Mando. You definitely should. Yep, that that's where out. I've learned them all from. Funny enough, I go on Mandoa.org, and I that's where I you know I read up on my vocab there. But oh, nice. I know it comes from these books, yeah, yeah. so it's really bad. I really need to be reading. Them. <laughs> these books but i keep accidentally like getting you know the new book comes out and i'm like oh, i really gotta read the high republic book and, oh man yeah, you'll, yeah you'll i'm a very distracted yeah we, we we were literally just I having know, this conversation about about like too the, many the disney release too many star wars yeah, books constantly so fast there's so many yeah yeah i know they're they're all coming and it's like it's so thankfully well i don't know how i feel about it but there was supposed to be a mandalorian novel and then it got canceled which is so sad but oh. There's no plans for one yet, so that I don't have to worry about that consuming my entire brain space. Yeah. But, you know, there's so much else. Like, there's so many other things. And then it's like, at what point do I dedicate myself to canon versus Legends, you know? Like, Legends is just as worthy. But, like, at the same time, like, it's not canon. So, like, do I focus on canon? Like, it's very hard as somebody who's, yeah. like, you know, really just starting to fully dive into the transmedia. Um, Definitely. It's, it's, it can be tricky. <laughs> it's not just a lake. It's an ocean. There's a lot. <laughs> did you when you were a kid did yeah, you exactly. yeah, yeah. did you did you grow up reading any any particular star wars series i, gr- I grew up reading uh the jedi quest series from scholastic i at my school whenever they did a book fair uh, i would always uh try and get the latest jedi quest book or and, and eventually when episode three came out it was the last of the jedi series that followed that series up uh they were all jude watson books mm-hmm. and the first series that uh, jude watson did was the jedi apprentice series and that was like obi-wan and qui-gon that went for like 29 books or something mm-hmm. like that it was huge but uh did you like oh, grow wow. up reading any of these you know there was a boba fett series back in the day any of that yeah i i feel like i have a very distant familiarity to it i definitely don't think i i like sat down and opened one of the books and read it but my brother might have like read it and then you know i'm i'm his little sister so he i i'm around it he's spewing some of the content to me um i don't i don't think no though i didn't sit down and read which stinks <laughs> like that's like the one aspect of star wars really that i didn't absorb is like the media that's in print which is so sad but i was weirdly familiar with like the heir to the empire trilogy like oh, i knew okay. who drawn was well, those are the only important you know ones i knew that i knew who Marjane was yeah I mean, you know especially right now yeah, um, yeah so true, it, right? for this era we're tackling but it's like it's like i knew of this stuff and like the same thing funny enough like i had seen i for clone wars i watched episodes when they were on tv like i remember sitting in my kitchen and like watching them with my dad and stuff like on cartoon network mm-hmm. knew who soka was and stuff but like i had to as an adult i had to go back and watch it to like refresh myself but they, it was like in the back of my memories is like seeing it so yeah. i was definitely probably exposed to 
books like that. Like Jedi Quest sounds so familiar, but I just no, I don't. I was I was not a very good like I, I read stuff growing up, but I was like I was always more interested in making stories than reading them. If you know what I mean, like right. I was much more of like a storyteller than I was a story consumer in some ways, which is kind of funny. But yeah, yeah. fair enough. Did you get to keep anything? Uh, your costume, any props, anything from the the Halcyon Legacy? You know when it when it started to close down. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, you know, if, if Disney happens to be listening to me, I did not steal anything from you, and I really, really <laughs> want to take a costume home, but I did not want to be on bad terms with Disney because they did treat me very well. Um, but yeah, no, I, I didn't really like. I don't, I, and I think anybody or everybody had to end up turning in their costumes anyway. Um, I really was tempted to, to to keep it though, like even just one. I'm like, you know, are they really gonna know? And I'm like, I don't need this heat on me. But I, it's you know, I did get to keep my name tag. Okay, okay. there you go. Yeah. It'd be nice yeah. if Disney would have just like gifted those out if they were closing down. Yeah. Because how cool yeah. would it be then to actually wear yeah. your staff like Kelsian costume to like uh Star Wars celebration and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, I was like just thinking about that earlier. I'm like, man, if I like go to, you know, a con in the future, I really want to like just dress up as a Halcyon crew member. Like if I only had the costume, but I guess I know like exactly the texture of it and how to recreate it because I had to wear it, you know, every almost every day for eight months. Mm. Um but like yeah, a, I fortunately I didn't costume. really get to keep anything like that. Yeah, it was the most comfortable thing. I don't know if it looks like it, but oh my goodness, it was so comfortable. We called them space pajamas because it really <laughs> felt like you were just in your PJs. And especially for like me compared to like my, my parking lot costume was, um, you know, still sizes from like the 70s and like textures from the 70s. So very like tight fitting or like hard weathered had been, has been washed countless times. Mm-hmm. Um, going to the like graduating to the space pajamas, I was like, yeah, the only thing that stunk is then, you know, Florida summer hits and I'm yeah. standing in Batu and the real feels like 106 degrees and I have long sleeve shirt and long pants. Oh no. Ooh, <laughs> those are tough days. Oh, yeah, those geez. are tough days. It was worth it, but those were tough days. I think Josh and I actually have experienced that. We went to Celebration Orlando. We had to all stand up mm-hmm. in, the, in this line of thousands of people in the oh, parking gosh. lot. It was awful. People were passing out as we're trying to get in this building. Yeah. Yeah, I can't blame them. It's, oh, it's brutal. I, I thankfully, I don't think we had anybody pass out like either working or passengers that I can remember from heat um even in the parking lot I don't think anybody passed out which is a wonder because that's literally the parking lot <laughs> and, and you're on the blacktop all day yeah, exactly. um yeah, that's good but yeah it, 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 it was it was our, our leadership did a really good job like I said everybody I worked with there is just incredible and our leadership was really careful to make sure we were all taken care of so um if you were in that position in Batu, kind of like near the heat you would kind of get rotated just to make sure you could like get a sip of water get um they would bring us powerade and stuff so we were hydrated because no, like, um, people out there that position up on too like we had yeah yeah and people it's um paint, it's, it's a transport down. ride so yeah literally literally um but the 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 outpost on batu like hollywood studios and and the star cruiser are not like right next to each other like there's it's a drive um not super long but it is a drive so the transports usually take like seven minutes one way so we're pretty disconnected like if you're on batu like working you're disconnected from everything else at the star cruiser so um our our uh my managers are really good about making sure that we were staying being taken care of and whatnot so thankfully all 
all hydrated, so hopefully nobody worried about us too much. But there are definitely some times where I'm like, oh man, if I, only I could be inside the ship. I <laughs> that got, would be great. I, I gotta ask them because because you say like about seven minutes drive. So when 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 guests aboard the Halcyon went on their day excursion to uh, Batu, um, I'm assuming it was like a mm-hmm. like a very immersive experience for that. Can, would you be able to explain sort of how that worked? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this is a part of my my transportation um, line of business of one of the many I've, I've aforementioned. And um, it, it's an extremely immersive experience getting them there. So we had a transport dock, uh, the extension of um, the Star Cruiser, where uh, passengers would be taking their transports up and down, you know, up from, or up from Batu and then back down to Batu, however many times they wanted to between like a certain amount of hours. And it's this transport that has about, I think, 12 seats, if I remember right, for my training. Hopefully my trainer knows and is proud that I remember that. Um, and it was, it's, it's 12 seats in each transport. And there were, I think, gosh, I don't remember how many there were of them, but, um, the passengers would be able to either sit in the seats and then we could allow four people to stay standing if necessary, pack them in there. But it's like, I don't even know how to describe the transports to you. They're just so, so immersive, so beautifully crafted. It really feels like you're in a transport and there's audio playing and they play some songs, you know, to interlude. There's a droid in there. My coworkers are going to make fun of me because I always forget his name because he's the boss two droid. Um, but he like does a little spiel about like going down to bot two and what's happening on bot two. And when you come back, he like tells you, oh, I hope you weren't a part of those explosions, you know, over bot two, which is the rise of resistance, like hat tip. Right. And then like probably something about Hondo and stealing coaxium and whatnot. Because um, that was a story element on the Halcyon, which is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, but the, the, the transport's very immersive. Of course, again, no, nothing to the outside because they don't want you to know yeah. where we're driving because you do have to drive through like what we call like, you know, backstage to get there. It's a, you don't go through the front of the park. So it's a so high, highly immersive it, it, it vehicle. It was really cool. Like star tours on, on yes. wheels pretty much, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and, you know, we had, we had ways to get around it if people were very concerned about getting motion sick yeah. because there are no windows and, you know, you're mm. sitting like sideways and whatnot. But um, I don't think we ever really had any major issues. And my dad, who's very uh, motion sick person, like when we went on, he was, he was totally fine. Oh, but oh, okay. yeah, good. it was yeah. It, very highly immersive. I wish I had like, like I had, could have a way to show you. It's just what I have in my brain. It's crazy. I, I remember seeing a video where a video, the, yeah. the guests came out of like a special tunnel, like into Galaxy's Edge. Like, is that, uh, was there like a, yeah. I'm assuming that there was like a dock that, or corridor you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think is is it by yeah, like Kylo so, Ren's shuttle mm-hmm. or something? Like, yes. Mm-hmm. So we call it Docking Bay 3 and it's still there in Walt Disney World. It just can't go past a certain point um, because we had to have, you know, like a Disney-esque touch point out there to make sure that we could let the appropriate people in on and off the ship. Yeah. Um, so nobody's trying to sneak in. Uh, that's the biggest point of our, our position there, just to make sure, you know, that we're taking care of our passengers who are currently on this voyage and whatnot. It's all about safety. And at the end of the day, that's the most important part. But um, there, you would get off your transport and it would be this exclusive area that nobody else gets to see except Halcyon passengers. And it's basically a little tunnel and it comes out into this big open docking bay three that is open to day guests usually unless we were there and it's right next to Kylo Ren's um, tiny echelon and it brings you right out there by like the first order outpost where you buy your first order merchandise and yeah uh, mm. there there really wasn't like a ton to it. it it had some cool signage and whatnot but now it's completely closed off they did just have the gate closed but um, people started doing Halcyon tributes and Disney like kind of put a barricade of like 
like barrels and stuff there so you can't even go into the little nook anymore um but i think that's because they use that passageway now for you know helping to get characters through again this is all coming from like my thoughts because i haven't even been working at disney since we closed so um like that's what i just assume is they're they're using that pathway to help characters get through more quickly yeah but yeah it was a pretty it was a pretty cool like little i'm wondering what they did with a lot of the stuff if they auctioned it off or like like specifically with the the speeders they usually get back and forth or the transports well they probably still have them part, of me, part of me hopes bob Iger just took one and he just drives around <laughs> this is family minivan <laughs> that's right <laughs> please yeah oh that'd be so funny yeah i i don't know i mean if if you put me back there and let me drive past the building i could probably give you an answer but i'm not there now so i, I really don't know yeah, if they're yeah. still around well we just have to um, speculate yeah I, I i have no yeah i have no idea what's going on with anything in that space my secret hope that is like total conspiracy theory like nobody should ever think i got this intel quote unquote intel because i worked there but i really wanted them to film something there like mm. I mean, it's do a there, scene right? of the mandalorian it's grogu movie in the star cruiser it's we used to call it we used to joke and call it like a multi-million dollar movie set it's already built yeah like it's already got all the elements there's very little you'd have to do in post like you know you just have to erase like the glowing exit signs and stuff that you have to have for safety code um like that i feel like it's very little it's built for you and also like Shandrila Starline, the New Republic capital has to temporarily move to Shandrila at some point. And, you know, there's a lot of storytelling opportunity for the New Republic era, at least, to really cover it right now. Oh, totally. So my clown conspiracy theory has been like, maybe, maybe they're going to film something there. Um, and then upon them filming there, releasing it, people will want to go and see it. Yeah. I don't know. That's my, yeah. that's my, it's that's my theory. I would love to see that happen. Yeah. But, you know, I, I honestly, I can promise you 100% that's just me being a fan speculating like yeah. <laughs> i got nobody that was never mentioned anywhere <laughs> so um if you if you don't know any official reason um what what is your speculation as to sort of why this experience closed and and you know sadly a lot of fans who you know weren't able to go sort of while this was open may, may have lost hope at this point mm-hmm. as to you know possibly ever going again since there's no news on whether this thing is going to come back. So or anything similar? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe um, if you have a moment yeah. to sort of elaborate on you know what what it was like. You know, I know we chatted briefly about this before we uh, started recording, but uh, you know what it was like when that thing when mm-hmm. when you got the news of of it closing and you know sadly, I mean, all of you guys, you know sucks to lose your job i mean it's uh you know it must have been a pretty crazy day especially such a like like dream of a job yeah totally so cool and immersive to be part yeah. of that yeah yeah really going back to that day i can only really describe it as a fever dream um because we had of course you know we're in the middle of a work day um we didn't have passengers at that point because you know every once in a while we would have to have a break just to do maintenance you know stuff like that just keep upkeep the ship and um we a lot of us happened to be gathered gathered there and we had done some you know crew celebrations and stuff just to kind of you know boost morale as we're going going through some additional training and whatnot and we're talking talking about how amazing our performance is because really like you can look it up anywhere where we were doing amazing numbers for the Walt Disney World Company like just across the board and um the, the you know leadership all of a sudden just kind of started getting pulled out of meetings and I was like oh this this seems really strange um and a lot of my coworkers were all part of the the not all of us but like probably 90 percent of passenger services crew were uh, Disney college program 
program. So we all had program end dates. Mine was um, August, I think my official day was August 10th, something like that. So, um, and that was an extension. I was supposed to leave at a certain day and then I extended it as far as I could. Um, so I, I already had a, a day where I knew I was probably gonna have to leave, but I was thinking about, you know, trying to go full time and staying because I loved it so much. Yeah. So um, we're all kind of just sitting and waiting. And then we were told to gather in the atrium, which is like, you know, the big lobby and it's every department, you know, ent- entertainment's there. We're there. There's all the other all the other collections, the culinary and whatnot. Um, there's a lot of moving parts there. And it, it's unfortunately not everybody who worked there because not everybody had to be there for this training. And we were told about not too long before general public knew, you know, mm. like it was it was about to go live on the internet. I, I, I'm not really sure what happened there. I don't know if it was an, an official press release or, you know, got leaked. Things things happen. Um, but I, I am glad they at least made the effort to tell us before it hit yeah. everything. Yeah, for um, sure. But much better than... But yeah, we, we you know, they, they didn't... They didn't yeah, exactly. It wasn't sugarcoated, you know. They they told us, hey, like, really, this this sucks, but we're this is what's happening, you know. It's closing on this day, and let's go talk about it. So we all kind of broke back into our respective teams. So passenger services stuck together, and they let us ask questions, you know. But at that point, I think they also realized that we just wanted to like think, you know, sit with it, sit with the news. Mm, yeah. um, the hardest part was the fact that we had to go to work the next day, mm. <laughs> you know, and, yeah, and sounds, everybody, all eyes were on us. Probably... Yeah. And um, again, this is when leadership, yeah, leadership was so supportive and they, they were like, listen, we know this is going to be hard. And if you just need to step away for a second, just let us know and we'll try to cover you. Um, Cause I was the first, one of the first employees to come in the next day. Um, and you know, there's like tissue boxes and like, it's like very haunting sight of mm-hmm. sadness. So I'm like picking all this up to make sure that everything looks good. Um, but yeah, it, it, and that, that is the day I know I referenced this before start recording that's the day that our audio stopped working was that first day after wow. oh, oh and, and we were we were joking we're like ah so the house being fighting back um <laughs> but yeah that's that's <laughs> that's really what it was it, it wasn't anything like you know and it, i did feel very bad though for my coworkers who weren't there because just just by chance you know they had to find out from the internet mm. so oh, yeah. um you know our, our our work group chats getting messages like is this real and those of us who were there are like ah. mm, yeah. and they're you know more disney college program kids who are about to come in so we're like are they still gonna come like are we the last ones it was very up in the air because a lot of them their programs wouldn't even end till like january february of 2024 so you know there's these are these kids that we're expecting to work for a long time yeah that's how it felt for us too if it if it makes you feel like as as out of nowhere as it felt for the general public that's how it felt for at least me i was just uh, wondering um as far as like visitors coming in like if there was any sort of like drop off and noticing of like attendees before this happened or if it like was just completely blindsided yeah i mean it it really didn't seem like it was much different than it had been ever since i started working there i know that like a week or two after i started working there is when they announced that you know we were gonna have to cancel some voyages just to do some maintenance and stuff um but that was you know general public everybody knew that they knew that at the same time i knew that so that i didn't really know what that meant i just was like okay yeah we gotta do maintenance like this thing's been around for almost a year there's chipped walls you know she's she's getting a lot of love 
Um, I'm not really sure if there was anything else behind that. You know, I'm a very, uh, my position, I was a very base level. There wasn't really much I knew that the general public didn't know. So I, I personally didn't really notice anything unusual. And that's really what made it weird mm-hmm. is if anything, it, you know, it seemed like we were doing really well, uh, especially from what we were discussing, you know, with how well our performance was. And yeah, so it, there really wasn't any strong indication that that was the path that was going to get taken. And that's why it was such a shock for all of us mm-hmm. um, who, you know, were passengers services crew and we really I have to say though you know at least the positive of it is how close it really brought a lot of us who were working at that time um you know oh, that so night like a bunch crew. of us who lived at, at exactly um a lot of us who lived at Disney's um housing that they provide for the college program kids you know we all got together and just kind of talked through everything and that's honestly a nice memory I have because it, it's nice our, our saying is like on our crew rest our success is one of the sayings around the ship and so like that was a huge thing or our ship is only as strong as its bond so it's like seeing that actually kind of play out it was like a bittersweet result of what had happened but um it it, it was very surreal that yeah. whole stretch of time from the, the the closure announcement and i can also tell that our amazing incredible general manager who's one of the most amazing people i know like there's no other word i can describe him with he he was just gutted too like mm-hmm. you could just see it on his face that he probably hasn't known that this was going to happen for long either so so he's one of the most caring bosses I've ever had. I don't even like if he heard me call him a boss, like he'd be like, don't don't say that because he was very um, insistent on making us all feel equal. But um, he is very empathetic. So it was it was a hard day for us, but it was a hard, hard day for him. And um, yeah, it was it, it, it I, I honestly don't know how long he knew before we did just based on his reaction. I, I, yeah. I certainly hope that uh, they did what they could to try and keep as many people employed as as possible in other positions around the park mm-hmm. right i mean um you know that's my hope at least because yes. that's a that's a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of positions just to be chopped like so fast you know yeah and so abruptly too yeah 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 to, to my knowledge everybody was taken care of in terms of everyone who was going to be working at the time that we closed was going to be offered you know a position somewhere else in disney world at right. the resort whether you know the only sad part is they're splitting up you know mm-hmm. these people who have been working together since a few months before opening now you know they were like a family and they're being split up so that was really the most heartbreaking part for um a lot of the crew and i feel almost like not like guilty but almost guilty that you know i got out of there like right before the closure happened so i never really had to worry about it mm-hmm. um about the you know the unknowns of what's it going to be like and having to see the stuff standing there but um at the same time as like ripping the band-aid off knowing like man i'm so close to the end and i'm not working it um yeah. but yeah, everybody was taken care of. I would say what what wasn't very helpful, but you know, people can't help but they're curious. That's the question we kept getting asked from that day forward. Is at least once on every voyage, it's a passenger being like, "So what are they going to do with you when this is closed? Or what are they going to do with right. this place when it's closed?" And I'm like, "Man, what do you?" And, and 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 especially in an immersive environment, like, please don't ask me that. How am yeah. I supposed to answer that? So yeah, you know, tough. we had to. We had to have discussions on how we respond to that in story so we're not breaking immersion. And, you know, it's just you want to enhance the passenger experience. You don't want to focus on a negative when these people are, you know, paying all this money to come and have this life changing experience. You don't want to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't know what my job's going to be. It, it, you know, yeah. you don't need a trauma dump at work. I almost think they should have um, introduced yeah, a, that, a new storyline, which was it was the Halcyon's last voyage. 
So then you can kind of yeah yeah yeah. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I used to like. Some, I don't know if I had the creative freedom to do this, but I sometimes would joke because in the Lego Star Wars like summer vacation special, we had a pool deck, but we never had a pool. So I used to be like, you know, I hope that we like. I heard we might be closing for renovation just to you know get a pool. But then you know, some <laughs> people think like legitimately that's what's happening. They're like, oh really? Like is that why it's happening? I'm like, no. <laughs> Like somebody's gonna hear that and be like, "My gosh!" (laughs) I I I'd love to like get a whole spreadsheet of just everyone's, you know, like you know, everyone who worked aboard the Halcyon. Just like, what do you think happened to the Halcyon? I'm Mm -hmm. sure I'm sure a number of people probably put it on the list that it's in the mix of all those ships at the end of Episode Nine. You know, showing up for that one last fight. Maybe it's out there somewhere. Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah. You saying that just reminds me. We had a massive head cannon about that. A massive head cannon that we were in the battle. <laughs> you know the battle of mexico awesome. I, it could be there's so many ships in there you i i love to think that um but yeah we we definitely all you know tried our best to make light of it so sometimes you know making kind of ridiculous stories was our way of coping with what was going to happen so while we were smart enough to not you know say that on in, in front of people <laughs> in front of passengers you know it, yeah. it was something that made us feel a little bit better do behind you, the scenes yeah do you um if, because this 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 uh experience is is it was so ambitious and you know again like I think I may have said it earlier like it's just Mm -hmm. almost hard to believe it ever happened but Mm -hmm. do you ever see this sort of happening again I mean obviously like this is all speculation and one can only guess as to Mm -hmm. what they'll do with sort of everything they've built there it's just sort of sitting there gathering dust but uh, I mean, like, like, mm-hmm. what sort of like future do you see in this kind of entertainment? You know, having now worked in the in the uh, theme park business, and uh, you know, like, mm-hmm. what kind of uh, future would you hope that this sort of attraction has brought in terms of positive feedback that they can now roll out to something else that might be perhaps more successful in their vision? You know, for the future. Yeah, I think. Well, first of all, huge hands off to everybody who brought this to life because this is the first of its kind, like a you know, multi day, multi night. Yeah completely immersive experience like absolutely brilliant it just and nobody nobody ever left that experience with like the bitter taste in their mouth that you know some people have for it having not gone which again to- I totally understand that because it's not really clear what goes into it so I can't really hold that against people you know for being like oh it's too expensive for a hotel it's like I get it it's not just a hotel though yep, um, yep. <laughs> but I think I think they, they already um they already kind of in a way like played around with like a shortened version because they wanted to in the in the final you know weeks make sure that crew members got to you know say goodbye and whatnot and bring maybe bring like one or two family or friends to see it so they the you know their arrangements made and like they're able to do like you know a dinner and like a show you know i, mm, I think just again i wasn't there um yeah exactly some sort of experience so i think that now they can learn to because i think maybe the the part they were hurting in the most is like the length of it like it was just so long like you know mm-hmm. people were there for two days <laughs> it's just and then that requires a lot of you know money on both ends so um yeah. not i don't know if monetary things were the issue if that's the case then doing a shortened version that's maybe like you pay for this multi-hour experience would totally still be worth it right yeah um, the only downside with that is you don't get the bond with the characters as much because like yeah. one of the most rewarding parts of doing multiple days is like by the end of your last day like wraith cole knows me 
me by name and Lanka Mock is like able to thank me and by name and you know so yeah, you those special like relationships can't get as deep but I think that can be sex. Yeah. yeah yeah but I definitely think they've learned you know what the weak points are of something like this what the strong points are I don't think in any case it was a failure and not, not that like this has been insinuated but I don't think it should ever be really regarded as a failure because it did like open you know open this perspective and like mm-hmm. experiment oh, was, like yeah, they did it so. they went out on on a woman they did it yeah yeah that's yeah, yeah. Like it's Disney's a huge win it, it's really you know put mm-hmm. well, being willing yeah, to like, try stuff out that's really you know beyond what anyone else would think is capable for technology available availability now yeah a hundred percent and everything that went into this was nothing but like love and passion and like a true just like drive for making new experiences for changing people's lives for telling stories every single person i talked to no matter what level of what they were involved with if they wrote the story they made the technology like all they wanted was to just see this dream come alive Mm -hmm. which you know made it all the more harder Mm -hmm. after that day of learning about the closure and seeing meeting some of these people and being like oh it's just horrible but it's not for nothing it was never for nothing no so i know that there are lessons being learned and something is going to happen i just i don't know what it is but i know they'll figure it out because they were able to do this and yeah i think you're totally right in the sense that it was a success because you know they it's basically just taking the magic of disney and infusing it into star wars you know and giving that to the theme parks and uh, i I know on like the i don't know how many of the behind the attraction videos or or documentaries on walt disney that you've seen but um i've frequently sort of Mm -hmm. heard this opinion of walt you know always wanted to be have disneyland be immersive to the guests right and i feel like this just successfully Mm -hmm. took this you know whether it was a financial success or not it it Mm -hmm. successfully took the guests to that next level of immersion you know oh yeah unquestionably and and I feel like it yeah. was sort of the crown oh, jewel, yeah. even though it only lasted for like two years, maybe at best. Like, it, you know, if, it feels like mm-hmm. it was always ever going to be. This is like the pinnacle of what we can do for guests, you know, at the, the parks. And, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and it's amazing to think that that's what happened, you know, for a brief oh, yeah. period of time. Yeah, it was a very yeah, lofty. Absolutely. Goal, sure. And yeah, that was a point that came up a lot was what did what was Walt Disney's original intent? It was that immersion and like that word I used earlier, play like letting people feel like they can just play again like their kids yeah and that's exactly what it was was people who could just come and like literally be in space and just forget the outside world existed for two days that just it, big it, that's exactly sandbox. what would happen yeah of a star wars themed yeah exactly and and that's why again like the the may 4th voyage was the perfect example of that it's just it you stuck out if you weren't dressed in the most gorgeous cosplay like yeah. it just was amazing and the, I think that's what i saw flag. and you know i will never forget yeah because mm-hmm. if they do anything like this again Sorry, star- if they ever do anything like this again that's uh star wars fan or like star wars themed the big fans like josh and i mm-hmm. anyone who wants like the full immersive experience make sure you go may the 4th because that's when yeah everyone who who's everyone's gonna be there that's when it's happening <laughs> the yeah. full immersion experience absolutely yeah oh yeah uh, Molly, I gotta, I gotta ask if there's any sh- social handles that you'd like to share. Uh, you know, um, feel free to to ha- um, uh, share those at the moment, and I can also put them in the description. But is there, is there anywhere that uh, audiences can perhaps like look you up and follow, follow your stuff? Yeah, um, really, just I'm, I'm pretty active on Twitter these days, or X, I guess. Um, Molly Brazel is is me on Twitter, and then um, if you're interested in reading some of my Green Rant stuff, you can uh, look me up on Screen Rant, same name, Molly Brazel, and 
look at some of my pieces, and hopefully you will find my little Halcyon pieces I've written. So maybe those little Easter eggs, and get to know the characters of the Halcyon, and get to know what it was like the day the Halcyon closed on the news side. So awesome. look around for those. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and again, feel free to send me those, and, and I'll, I'll link them down below. But uh, yeah, Molly, thank you so, so much for, for coming on and, and joining us and you know having this chat. I mean, uh, we've been we've been so excited to to hear all about your experience and working with the Halcyon and, oh, and yeah. all that. We've been wondering about this whole thing since yeah. it started. We really were yeah. excited to get some firsthand details. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for giving me the platform to do it and to get to talk about it again. This experience was, you know, a dream for me, and I can only wish that every Star Wars fan could have experienced it in both. You know, honestly, the passenger and the worker side. It was just amazing from start to finish so thank you for letting me talk all about it. it it really means a lot especially from such a positive direction it's just very meaningful oh absolutely and and uh, you're always always welcome back i mean uh, i'm sure you know when whenever there's more mandalorian stuff that pops up maybe that movie perhaps uh, we can get you on again and <laughs> and uh, you know i mean you, we got you in the discord now so anytime that uh, that you see a a subject pop up that you want to be a part of, uh, just uh, just pipe up in the chat, and you know we'll get you back on again. Oh, absolutely! You see, Mandalorian in the title, and you guys need to guess. You just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, big, uh, uh, big thank you again, Molly and uh, Blake, and uh, we will see uh, you in the next one. Yeah, for sure. Thank you again, Molly. Just want to just uh, put on our, our yeah, of course. Thank thanks. you. All right. Yeah, of course. And thank you. We'll see you out there. Keep flying. All right. And a big thank you to our audience uh, for tuning in thus far. Make sure you go check out those links in the description below. Uh, go look up Molly and uh, and her articles and her socials. And um, yeah, and uh, once again, for all those of you who are uh, following all our other episodes, uh, make sure you uh, shoot us an email. Just get in touch with the podcast. And uh, we love those five stars. We'd love to see that. Uh, as always. We'll see you in the next episode of Star Wars Escape Pod, and may the Force be with you.